1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new?
2: There's a reason why people are overweight and sick, and that's because they're doing things that gratify the uh, short-term systems, that that basically what this is is a hyperactivation or an artificial activation of the dopamine pathway. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, your mind was designed by nature to seek the stimulation, and when you overstimulate it, it feels better. And uh, it's hard to get people to realize they must sacrifice that sort of short-term gratification in order for longer-term gains.
3: I'm Dr. Oz and this is the Dr. Oz podcast. There are folks who have spent their professional life working on the psychology of fat, an area that intrigues me because unlike some addictions where you can just say, you know, don't do that. You know, you can actually live life and never smoke a cigarette. I've never smoked a cigarette. You can go through life never having done harsh drugs, um, but you can't go through life. You've never smoked a cigarette? Nope. Never smoked Not one? Not one. Not between, behind the barn someplace? No, I've taken a a, a whiff of a cigarette. That's called a puff. A (laughs) puff. but sure. I have problems <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sub, subscribe to English the second language the
4: send a picture of you in college with a cigarette in your hand no I never saying. smoked
3: I don't, I've don't. i had cigars so I never <laughs> smoked a cigarette but uh, my English is a second language uh, uh, show today <laughs> is uh, it's going to uh, focus a little bit on the psychology which we, we brought a, a gentleman in uh, Dr. Doug Lyle who's a psychologist in Santa Rosa California and is one of the most innovative and curious minds in, in this arena and uh, you've Uh, Done well in your professional education, but you've also spent a lot of time uh, working at the National Center for Post Traumatic Stress Disorders, uh, where you're on staff. Uh, You've spent a fair amount of time as a forensic psychologist. What, Doug? Doug, What is a forensic psychologist? It's uh, criminal work. So, tell me, like a curious case you've been involved in. How does Uh, that work? No, no,
2: no, No names. No names. Oh, I don't know. The worst of the worst. So you just try to figure out what's wrong with their heads?
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty hopeless,
2: but you try anyway. You do the <laughs> best you can. No, but I'm
3: serious. do the detectives call you? Does you know, Sergeant Friday call up and say, Doug, I've got a real winner here. He's doing these crazy things? Actually, uh, a lot of my
2: career I spent doing uh, evaluations for the judges. The judges would ask what we should do with people. And, uh, and mm-hmm. so we're trying to figure out what the best move was for the criminal justice system in an individual case.
3: You mean in terms of whether it worth putting him in jail, institutionalizing him... Was it, he really in you know, Would be the light thing. Oh, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be,
2: whether they need to go to the big house for a long time, or how long, and et cetera, <laughs> or whether there's any hope you, at all. Are there
4: other people you say it's hopeless? They might put them in the you know electrocute them kind of. Thing? No,
3: no. Not, I wasn't involved in any cases of that okay, magnitude. Okay. So although we're not talking about that today, we may come back <laughs> to that theme. Um, but he's uh, actually lectured nationally to, to health professionals, physicians, and others uh, on topics including evolutionary psychology um, and, uh, a lot of the other psychological therapies that might actually play a role in folks who are trying to lose weight. And so he, uh, his book, the pleasure trap, mastering the hidden force that undermines health and happiness is going to be a topic. Hey, why'd you write the book?
2: Um, I think I wrote the book because of probably the same struggles that a lot of, uh, doctors have. When you have people in front of you that are trying to reach very important goals for themselves so if, if you're Doug Lyle tucked away in Santa Rosa and you have a a woman that's coming in that's trying to lose weight so that she can look better and feel better about herself or if you're at Oz and you're a world-famous heart surgeon and you're going to try to talk to somebody about what they need to do to save their life mm-hmm. the point is is that we run into the same problem which is that it's very difficult for people even once they
3: know the right thing to do to actually do it. And, you know, as, I, as I read through uh, sort of the 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 big summaries that we get for these books, I was struck by this concept of the pleasure trap. That, and I, if you just walk us through how something that that from an evolutionary perspective makes so much sense might actually be maladaptive in modern society.
2: Well, the thing is, is that we lived in a completely different environment uh, than we do today. Or I wouldn't say completely different, but very significantly different. in In uh, ten thousand years ago, our biggest problem was scarcity, so we needed to be tuned or our senses needed to be tuned to even very subtle differences in, for example, in caloric density of food. So we were really good at detecting the difference between an apple that might be uh, 70 calories a pound, or excuse me, 70 calorie apple, and one that's 75, and that'd be the difference between one that's a little bit tart and one that's sweet. So now if you put next to that, that with the very same machinery that's really there to save your life, to detect even subtle differences in calories, 70 to 75 calories. Right next to it, you put a chocolate apple that's 750 calories, right. <laughs> and that's what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you escape? How do you get out of the pleasure trap? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is recognize the trap. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. It's our whole environment now is uh, organized to try to play into our evolutionarily built tendencies. So we're designed to be ferreting out the most pleasurable stuff with the least uh, amount of pain and the least amount of effort. And those tendencies that we call the motivational triad—pleasure uh, seeking, pain avoidance, and energy conservation—those are running the show. And and even though they were extremely important uh, tendencies in the natural world, they've now put us in a situation where we are we're in the modern world. They're going to take us off course. You need to know uh, what these traps are. You need to be able to recognize them. It's like being um, you know, playing chess and having a a friend who's better than you keeps setting the same trap over and over again. Right. Once you start to recognize the trap, you can do things to avoid it.
3: Let's go with the motivational trial again. You, you said it briefly. So you want to seek pleasure. Yes. Yeah, it makes, we all try to do that. You want to avoid pain. Makes yeah. sense. You want to conserve energy. Right. Which seems slovenly.
2: Yes. And see, the thing is, we're designed by nature to be, I guess you'd call it lazy. Uh, not really lazy, but you had to take every uh, shortcut possible in order to survive. If you look at... Canadian geese, for example, when they fly south for the winter, they draft on each other, and they have to do that in order to save a few precious calories that'll make the difference between success and failure. That's why
3: they fly in that characteristic V-pattern. But you tie this into to the emotional link as well, right? So, you, so that all makes biologic sense to me. Yes. But the, that doesn't mean you're happy necessarily. So, right. So how does happiness figure into this and differentiate happiness from pleasure and all the other words we use to make the... Uh, the, the, the make ourselves think we understand what these words really mean.
2: Yes. Uh, I think that was one of the, the big clarifications for me when I was writing The Pleasure Trap was to try to sort of get a distinction as to why pleasure was so important and why it becomes the thing that we can't seem to give up even though we need to uh, when we need to get on the right track. And I think it's because we have a whole system the way our uh, psychology is engineered is to Uh, use good uh, we're really seeking good feelings and anything that feels bad is really a sign of biological failure Mm -hmm. happiness is uh, a set of experiences that are mood states that come as a result of of successes and those successes were designed by nature to try to tell us that we're on our way to pleasure so for example if you're a young guy in a chemistry class in college and you're trying to hit on the girl next to you if she wants to go out with you or she says yes you're happy it's a mood of happiness but happiness isn't really what you're after it's pleasure what you're ultimately after Got and it. so your uh, the problem is if we can short-circuit our way to the pleasure it feels like that's the most important thing to do so people are very often willing to uh, basically short-circuit themselves to intensive pleasure experiences in drugs in processed food whatever it is uh, and in doing so, they'll undermine their happiness because you need to be look good, feeling good, and being healthy to really be happy.
1: Doug, how
4: does avoiding pain fit into this? Is, and, and is pain ever avoidable? I mean, totally avoidable.
2: Well, you're designed to certainly look as uh, to pain as a signal to tell you to, to avoid something. And so when things are unpleasant uh, in any way, we try to get out of it and weasel our way out. That's a big problem with modern medicine. You could see, see this coming. As soon as human beings got smart enough to figure out how to use substances that would block pain, there was going to be, on the first hand, certainly a great relief that could be incredibly useful. I wouldn't want to live in a world without Novocaine. But at the same time, it sets us up for a big problem, which is that thinking that the pain is gone tells us that the, that the warning light is off. And that's our problem today, that uh, we can use some of the genius of modern medicine to block pain or block symptoms, but that creates its own pleasure trap.
3: Why is it that we have a disconnect between what medicine seems to know about these realities, your book, for example, Uh, it's called The Pleasure Trap, by the way, and we're speaking with Doug Lyle spelled L-I-S-L-E, by the way. So if you search for his name under, you know, the singer Lyle, you won't find him. (laughs) Yeah, L-I-S-L-E. Why is it that this isn't becoming more pervasive in our medical knowledge? Why aren't doctors talking about this?
2: I think this is a hard thing for doctors uh, to deal with. I think uh, many doctors know the direction that people should be going, but uh, people are going to fight you tooth and nail. And I think uh, it, it wears doctors down. The, the truth of the matter is people want a quick fix. Uh, it isn't because they're bad. It doesn't be, because they're slovenly. It doesn't mean that they're, they're undisciplined. It's that they're designed by nature. Make me feel better as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's, an under, it's like a magnet uh, for human behavior. And so I'm not surprised that, that doctors get tired of trying to coach and educate people to, to do things that are health-supporting.
3: Is there really a, a way around this? I mean, it's, it would seem to me, and you, you put out in the book... That we're biologically programmed to reproduce, mm-hmm. right? So we've got to do things that requires us to survive, so we can reproduce. And some of the things that we naturally would not seek out unhappiness, mm-hmm. uh, which would say, which is a warning symptom actually to us that not to go that direction anymore, to stop trying to swim across the river, or stop, you know, don't don't let you hit yourself anymore. Yes, uh, we aren't really uh, you know provided a role to us millennia ago. But in today's environment, when you can short circuit them, we don't need those kinds of warning symptoms anymore. We just go for the end game. I, I'm not sure just talking to someone about it can change the way they think about it.
2: Well, I think uh, that this is what educational forums like your show and and uh, and books and educators. Uh, th- this is what we try to get is to uh, to real get across is for people to realize that. The, the end game, if they ignore this, is very dangerous and very serious, that they will undermine their health and happiness. There's a reason why people are overweight and sick, and that's because they're doing things that gratify the short-term uh, uh, systems, that, that basically what this is is a hyperactivation or an artificial activation of the dopamine pathway. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Your mind was designed by nature to seek the stimulation, and when you overstimulate it, it feels better. And uh, it's hard to get people to realize they must sacrifice that sort of short-term gratification in order for longer-term gains. It's worth doing.
3: But this is, I think in a way, you're resetting what pleasure feels like. Is that true?
2: Yeah, this is very important. Uh, When people think about, if they got advice from you, Mm -hmm. that that what they needed to do is to change their diet, and they were gonna change their diet from a conventional, very high caloric uh, uh, diet, a lot of salt, a lot of oil, a lot of fat, a lot of sugar. If they were to do that and to move towards a more whole natural foods diet, they will experience a reduction in pleasure. They absolutely will. Uh, in the same way that, that when you go from a very bright uh, uh, outside and then you go into a movie theater and it seems dim. Uh, in that same way, the taste buds are going dim on you. Mm-hmm. But it's not permanent. And people need to know that it's not permanent. You were uh, designed by nature to then readapt to the appropriate level of stimulation, which for us in food is whole natural food. If you think that, for example, you could not eat asparagus without salting it, that you couldn't eat corn without buttering it, you're in the pleasure trap. That's your signal to tell you that, uh, that you uh, that your taste nerves are not working as they were designed.
3: There's Lothbro where that came from, but first, a quick break. The, the, the evolutionary diet that you're espousing, and you mentioned in the book several folks that are well-known. We've had a bunch of them on the show. Yeah. Uh, this is a diet that, you know, Lisa's a vegetarian. <laughs> I have my, what are these, millet, hamburgers? What are you, honey? What are you feeding me today? Millet, <laughs> bulgur,
4: carrots, beets with cumin.
3: But they taste like hamburgers. Yes. I mean, they're, they're really good. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. really. But, <laughs> but, 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 but we've talked about this uh, bef- before on the show, and you, you bring it up beautifully, the infantilization of our taste buds. We, we end up with... Uh, and, you know, the three-year-old taste buds that serve us well when we can afford to have a lot of simple carbs, in theory, uh, or when we should have craved them because we we're growing rapidly, are still there when we're 25 years old. There's something wrong there. And, uh, and I, I am intrigued that you say you can reset those taste buds. How long do you think it takes?
2: I think we know. I think chemical census studies have actually told us. Uh, in the same way that uh, visual nerves, for example, take about 10 minutes. Uh, when you walk outside, uh, out of that movie theater, when you walk outside, it's about ten minutes that the sun seems really bright until you get used to it. Um, in the same way that if your your nerves will tell you, if you go into the hot tub, it's going to seem really hot for about ten minutes. Uh, and for the smelling, if you go into someone's house at Christmas time and there's a tree in there that smells great, it only smells great for about ten minutes. Uh, unfortunately, taste buds will take about ten weeks. And that's our problem, that people will take a a plate full of of whole natural food, and if you were to say, look, this is the solution to your cardiovascular problem, this is the solution to your weight problem, and they'll take dive in for about 10 seconds and they'll say, forget it, I'm not willing to do this. They don't know just how... Short term,
3: this problem really is yeah, the, the, the diseases of the kings, which you talk about as well. We've mentioned on the show. It was the reality that folks who were more affluent a thousand years ago actually had more problems because they would eat more of the foods that we know today to be associated with mm-hmm. rapid, frequent happiness and pleasure. But because they reset our expectations to a different level, um, they uh, they wreak uh, other havocs upon our body. Mm-hmm. Now, if uh, if we're talking about the modern society where everybody has that same illness program, uh, we're left with the reality, as one of your chapters says, that we're looking for health in all the wrong places. So how do we go about taking the 10-week process that you're arguing is required to retrain our taste buds and make it feasible? How do we wake people up who are not used to delayed gratification to to the possibility that that may actually bring them greater pleasure down the road?
2: Well, I think the first thing is they have to know that this is going to happen. Uh, Their your intuition is that it won't because people believe that their taste buds are constant They think that uh, what they like is what they like and that they could never like it anything any any different So they must understand that this is a that they have basically Adapted to this very high-density diet and that a lower density lower caloric density diet uh, less calories per pound basically when we put the fiber and all the natural stuff back into the food Uh, it's going to turn out that you can, in fact, enjoy that food a great deal. You were designed to have that food to be tantalizing. Um, And so it's important to know that. But also, so you have to realize that that is really the keys to the prison door. If your self-esteem is locked uh, into and behind a a trap that is put 50 extra pounds on you, if you're on a bunch of pills to deal with your heart condition or high cholesterol or high blood pressure, Uh, If you are dealing with uh, all kinds of the the problems that most of our population gets sick and literally dies from, this is the solution. This is the way home.
3: Uh, If I understand correctly, I think you said it very artfully in the book, uh, that we often want to add things, right? You don't feel well, we want to give you a pill. Yes. Have you do something. In fact, the true solution might be the opposite. It's almost homeopathic in a way. That you want to give as little as possible, or in fact, take something away, the subtraction
2: model. Yes, we're really designed by nature uh, to actually want to add things, to do something. Uh, that's a very common natural bias inside of the way minds work. It's not just our minds. You'll find it uh, throughout the animal kingdom. The the uh, Often the best solution seems to be the be- default solution is to do something to- towards more stimulation. So if you're going to try to train a pigeon to flutter its feathers and you're going to have... You're going to use like uh, keys to have it peck the keys uh, when, when it flutters its feathers. If you light the key, they'll, they'll learn it. But if you go from a lit key to a darkened key, they won't learn. So you are, when you increase the stimulus, everybody's excited. When you add something, uh, creatures are excited. When you take things away, if that's the solution, very difficult to grasp.
3: One of the solutions you, you offer, and uh, we're talking with Dr. Lyle, uh, is uh, the fasting. With just water, yes. Which you know, I must say, we've never had anyone on the show who's argued for the kinds of fasts that that you're a proponent of. Yes. Walk us through how someone can fast for a week or 20 days or even longer with just water. How does that work?
2: Well, it works surprisingly well. If you actually look at uh, the fact that we were built genetically to store fat, there's a reason for that. Uh, the reason is is that we're also designed by nature to have to go through periods of periodic deprivation that's the only reason you've got fat stores and so the uh, the fat stores are an adaptation to our species having to go through periods where they might go two three four weeks without food um, now we never do that so the the polar opposite of that is water only fasting it's the it's the period of time where where there is no calories out there in the environment and the body makes use of the existing fat stores and while it does that we now know that it takes advantage of that opportunity and does a tremendous amount of internal housekeeping so a lot of uh, uh, actually today probably more than ever we need this solution or need to use it it's a it's a solution that's sitting right under our nose but we would never think of it you would never uh, go out looking for a period of deprivation it would find you and yet if we invoke this now voluntarily, it turns out that a lot of problems, particular problems of dietary excess, get better, and they get better fast.
3: Let's, let's, let's play this through a little bit if you don't sure. mind. So, have you, How long have you ever fasted for with just water? Mm, a week. So during that period, I would gather for some folks, sure. th- there would be a concern that if you started the fast mm-hmm. in a nutritionally depleted state, if you go from having kielbasa at the Cubs games mm-hmm. to a fast, then you're probably starting off actually nutritionally depleted. If you have muscle mass and you have caloric stores, sure, but you might not have the right amount of vitamin E or C or omega-3 fatty acids for that fast. So do you supplement them during the fast at all?
2: Not at all. It turns out that these things, vitamins, minerals, et cetera, are so critical that uh, they're generally overly abundantly supplied. So people are not walking in with any serious nutritional uh, deficiencies. Maybe they, they might be on a rare occasion and that would show up in blood tests before you would do this. We'd only recommend fasting be done in a med- medically supervised environment, which is what ours is at our True North Health
3: facility in California. What does that mean? <clears throat> Excuse me. What does that mean, medically supervised? We have
2: a medical doctor, uh, Dr. Peter Sultana, who's actually supervising this this process. But,
3: but what does he do? I mean, what does, what does he check for? What does he look I mean, I've always been curious about what that means. I mean, I'm a doctor. I mean, if sure. you came to me and said, I'm fasting, I'd say, all right, go, 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 go take the room at the top left. Yeah, bring some water up. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what else would I check? What do I, I, I guess I look for dehydration.
2: Yeah, uh, we have blood and urine tests. We're looking for all sorts of parameters and watching them change. We know how they work and how they change so that when something looks a little out of line under a rare circumstance where someone may not be tolerating a fast well, for example, potassium may drop a little bit too quickly. Mm. So we know we've got an electrolyte imbalance. Uh, that can show up in some people maybe by week two. Okay? So, and then uh, you, then you,
3: do you take them off the fast or do you, start, you, you, do you supplement the imbalance?
2: Uh, we don't supplement the imbalance. Our colleague, Dr. Joel Furman, who's also an authority on fast, Fasting, he would oftentimes choose to supplement that imbalance and continue the fast because uh, he considered the continued fast to be highly valuable. We don't do that. We let the the parameters sort of tell us. Uh, so we, we don't have strong opinions about that, but we we ter- tend to err on the side of being conservative in this. And so when the body starts throwing up a red flag, we'll, we'll go ahead and end the fast at that point.
3: And do they stay at the center during the entire fast? Yes, they do. And what do they do? I mean, obviously, you don't have to feed them, so you, you house them. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's
2: a good... quite inexpensive. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's nothing actually what we do. And so They, do, uh, we, they hear uh, me preach and nag to them about how they're going to face their friends and relatives as they try to head home and dealing with the uh, basically environmental crush that comes from, from doing things very differently than everyone else. So we, we try to get them ready psychologically uh, for trying to go back into the world and live healthfully. And um, and it, it, it allows for a period of reflection on other parts of their life uh, where they can kind of really think things through and, and really take some time out to uh, set their set their priorities in place. So you
4: wouldn't recommend people do this at home, just say, I'm not going to eat for the next week?
2: I don't think that that's such a good idea. Sometimes the, uh, the responses to water fasting, the body really uh, basically uh, takes the opportunity and goes for broke. Uh, you will sometimes find some rather acute responses there may be diarrhea, diarrhea nausea vomiting etc i mean it's not you know, fasting's hard work and the body will take this opportunity to go through sometimes a, a rather uh, vigorous uh, detox
4: what about the boomerang effect on the cuz i I've, I've gone to um a wasn't really a spa but a place where we did a, a fast and i know the day i got out of there and i was all calm and i felt it wasn't it wasn't really all water we did Enzymes, and we had some green, but not a lot, mm-hmm. um, green juices. But um, the day I got out, and I was in California, In-N-Out Burger for a, an animal style <laughs> cheese <laughs> cheese sandwich. You know, I mean, immediately that that happens. I think pretty commonly, doesn't it, people? want to stuff themselves when they're done fasting? Well,
2: that's why we have people stay with us after the fast ends, and we reintroduce them to Whole Natural Foods diet. At the end of a water fast, believe me, there's nothing like going a week on water. Pretty soon you're dreaming about the carrots and the watermelon. <laughs> your your taste buds are so sensitive that Whole Natural Food finally tastes the way it was supposed to always taste, and people are uh, enjoy tremendously uh, their food at that point, and really at that time can't imagine going back to... The, uh, the kind of food that they were, were eating that got them into trouble in the first place.
3: I'm, I'm, again, I'm curious about the fasting because Mike and I have talked about it quite a bit. And, yeah. um, we've had some hesitation because of concerns that folks would use it as a weight loss tool. Yes. And uh, I, I do see some merit in the way you're arguing that it could play a benefit in reta- resetting our taste buds. Yeah. So let's say you did make it practical for elder out there. They want to do a three-day fast, which you can probably do without much medical supervision. and. At the end of that three-day process, you reintroduce now foods that are wholesome in your best interest. But during that three-day fast, you're probably going to be driven by your biology of blubber to think, as you said, about nothing but food. Is it possible to do that at home? I think it is. And I think
2: uh, if people were going to do a three-day fast, I might not use a water fast. I might do a juice fast, for example. And in doing a juice fast, what we wind up doing is taking all the salt out of the diet, basically, and all the fat out of the diet. So two of the three big receptor sites on the tongue are now put to sleep. They're put in sensory deprivation. Uh, It's all about uh, getting uh, senses to sensory deprivation that then rekindles their sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Just like if we shut off all the lights, uh, then when we bring even back a candle after 10 minutes, a candle seems bright. If we shut off all the lights on the the salt receptors and the fat receptors, when we come back three days later with a bowl of oatmeal and some bananas and raisins, that's going to taste very good. Is the third one
3: carbohydrates? What's the Yes, in other
2: words, right, we're leaving that one alone. In other words, by using juice, we're keeping you on glucose metabolism. Uh, So we're going to leave those sugar receptors alone. But if we get rid of the fat and salt receptors, we can do an awful lot of good in even three days.
3: Why wouldn't you just do a water fast in three days? Why is it better to do a water fast for longer?
2: Um, Oh, uh, you could do a water fast in three days. I'm just not too wild about doing a water fast on your own. Uh, I I think it's a good idea because you will, if people do things at home, they're going to keep moving around, they're going to go to work, etc. If you would uh, kind of lie around in bed and water fast for three days, that would be fine. But people want to keep, they get bored and they want to get up and moving. And we don't want to be doing that sort of uh, musculoskeletal contraction. You don't want to be burning muscle by moving around when you're on a water fast.
3: So what juices would you recommend? Oh,
2: I don't know. I uh, fresh uh, fresh whole juices like I'd use something like carrot apple or carrot apple celery things like that.
3: We have a lot more to talk about, but first let's take a quick break.
5: Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com.
1: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful, clean like Clorox, but a feeling like ah
3: mastering the hidden force that undermines health and happiness. Many of you think there are multiple forces that do that. Doug argues that there are actually a a few simple principles and one of the ones that's very practical um, that we're going to talk about in some detail is uh, the the juicing fast that might be worth doing for a a lot of you out there. You can do it at home for about three days. You said it should be carrot, apple, celery, or some combination. That way you don't have to buy a juicer. You can buy those in the health food store. And then Mike was asking you about retreating of the taste buds. Now you said earlier that, and it's actually very uh, interesting because it, it does sort of bring back some realities about how our reflexes change. But you, you go from a dark area into a light area. Within a few minutes, you adjust. Same goes if you, um, uh, if you had, uh, have different taste buds in your mouth. Uh, and that period you said was 10 weeks overall. But I'm sure you begin to adjust much more rapidly than that. But at least I can go off for three days on a perfectly uh, humane fast. It has an elegant spa, and then she goes out to In-N-Out Burger, which is known for being. I guess you take it in quickly and it comes out quickly. No, it's just, is that why? so
4: delicious, and they know they're, they're very fresh stuff.
2: Yeah, they are fresh. <laughs> yes, well, I mean that's certainly going to be uh, a problem, a potential problem, and that is that once you've sensitized those nerves, you're going to get an even bigger bang out of the dopamine hit than you right. did before. So right. that's why you uh, we need a really a, sometimes a a longer, more comprehensive process of staying in line because then you you really get to see that you can fully enjoy a whole natural food just the, the way you were designed and of course the pleasure trap is always out there in other words when you go from say uh, strawberries to strawberry ice cream you're going to see the a difference because that uh, you're going from 300 calorie pound food to you know 1500 calorie pound food and so that that hit is there it's always out there the reason why people are having such trouble is that uh, everything you do that feels really good is the wrong thing. And when you go from uh, when you do the right thing, it doesn't feel good. It, when you go the direction, the other direction from high density food to low density food. So basically your instincts are setting you up for this problem. It's hard to get out of it.
3: You know, I, I was uh, reading through the book and I I was once uh, segment of the book. We start talking about modern foods and how they create this pleasure trap. And uh, talk specifically about neuroadaptation. Yes. And I thought about uh, the scene in Super Size Me uh, when the protagonist Mm -hmm. has been on the the fast foods for about three or four days and he's in the room and he says, in the car rather, he says, you know, I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to... And then he Mm up-chucks. And it was just so poignant as you saw him get sick as he began to retrain his body for uh, a a different food style that it had been used to. He'd been in pretty good shape ahead of time. I don't know if you saw the movie. Yes, I did. So... Uh, it would. I, I don't personally feel good when I eat that kind of food. Are there some people who naturally don't like that? Are those the guys that are naturally thin because they actually don't uh, feel better when they have a high saturated fat hamburger?
2: Well, I think that uh, most of us would get used to the high saturated hamburger after a while. Uh, you're you're going to have a lot of little changes that are going to take place, including the whole taste uh, preference mechanism. The uh, so we're designed by nature to be pulled towards the more high caloric dense foods. Uh, that's an internal compass that tells us how to, we're going to make sure we get enough to survive uh, in the natural world. The problem is is that what we don't see is what it's going to take to get back, and that's a process that's going to take a few weeks and we uh as my friend Dr. Greg Young, a psychiatrist says the the big problem is people have uh,
3: with instant gratification is that it takes too long but <laughs> but <laughs> well, well, if I can push a bit harder on this. Mm-hmm. When I, when I sit down for a meal that's not going to be so good for me, yes. I, I keep thinking, you know, I'm not going to like this in an hour yeah, or two. And so for most folks, I would think you tend to shy away. Most, most animals... Most people don't
4: think that way, though. Most people think this is delicious.
3: I mean, if I fed a it's cat... It's much harder. Toxic material.
4: Absolutely. No. You know what? That's a good example, because last night I had the exact same experience. I bought this um, organic, actually raw meat uh, cat food for the cats, because I didn't want them getting all those things from China, those wheats and everything that they were getting when they were so addicted to the bad cat food the kinds that were killing the cats and giving them kidney poisoning if you put both down they won't even look at the cat food that's good for them they absolutely will kill themselves eating the poisonous cat food
2: if this is all about dopamine in other words, whatever, even though you may know and you've made the connection that an hour later you're going to be in a little low-grade pain, yep. you, you'll actually watch people, or I watch myself, even if I'm, after I'm full, if there's some really high calorically dense dessert there, you'll yep. literally watch the pleasure-seeking mechanisms and the pain-avoidance mechanisms do battle in your own head. Right. And right, and you'll right. it'll, one more bite. Is it still worth it? Oh, now my stomach's
3: hurting. <laughs> and, and you'll you'll watch these processes at play. All right. So, for the many folks out there that are that, that are listening and are thinking about doing the three-day juice fast. Yes. You get up in the morning. You, just, you guess you do some ceremony the night before, saying, "I'm done." <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, pin your ears back. Right. Pin your ears back. Sure. Right? You sacrifice a flower. Yeah. And then you to uh, so wake up in the morning, say, "Okay, I'm on a juice fast." I've like, already bought the juices. But you go out and buy them that morning. Sure. And then uh, you drink it as, as whenever you feel thirsty, you drink. Sure. Absolutely. But you can put down a couple thousand calories with even these juices. That's okay. Well, uh, You probably wouldn't, yeah. but uh, it doesn't
2: matter if you did because we don't really care about that. What we care about is retraining those taste nerves. We want those things back to much more close to where they were designed so that when you go back to whole foods, they taste good and you're willing to stick with it. And three days is enough time to start that process, you think? Oh, yes, absolutely. Just in the same way that... Uh, an alcoholic will be way better off after a year of abstinence. Mm-hmm. They can start to feel that their life is much better even after a week, and so you're, it's a process that we're on here. It's a, it's a direction, and if you can just get yourself going for a little while, sometimes you can build the momentum. If you know that the process is
3: is yeah, can be completed. All right, let me shift gears now to the actual weight loss sure. issue, which is obviously one that uh, tends to be popular. Uh, on this program and mm-hmm. just on any other media endeavor these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you lose weight without losing your mind? You talk a little bit about the law of satiety. What's that?
2: Well, uh, the way you're designed is your your mind is designed by nature to keep you in natural balance. That's why you don't have to worry and think about breathing. Uh, that's why, actually, you just trust your, your uh, satiety centers and the hypothalamus for drinking enough water, etc. You certainly sleep to satiety. Animals all over the world do this. Animals all over the world eat to satiety. They eat as much as they want. Uh, they don't have to worry about uh, sitting at the uh, at the edge of your vegetable garden, worrying about you know that gopher thinking maybe it ate one too many tomatoes. Right? Yeah, they just do what they want, and so it, it's mighty suspicious. You've got two million species on the planet; three of them are having weight problems: humans, dogs, and cats. Uh, that's because they're <laughs> eating processed food, and uh, all what we need to do is if if we eat, if we can get people to eat unprocessed food, large amounts of whole natural food, not, not maybe completely, not perfect, but if they can get a lot of salads, steamed vegetables, fruit, whole grains, if they can get those things into their diet, uh, then they can eat to satiation and they will not have weight problems. Uh, losing weight doesn't mean trying to uh, gnaw on your knuckle and not eat as much as you want. Uh, that's losing your mind. Uh, you need to learn that you can relax and eat satiation and, and you can actually uh, normalize your weight just fine. Is it possible
3: that the, the, your normalized weight may not be the model thin weight that we attribute with being thin these days?
2: I think that's true. But I, I think that you're going to find if you look around nature, you're going to see that animals have very modest amounts of fat stores. And the amount of fat stores you would find on people mm. if they're eating a whole natural foods diet would be aesthetically very pleasing. Some, some women would be a little curvier than other women. Mm-hmm. Uh, some men would be a little bit more robust and stronger. But all of them uh, would look good. Uh, were uh, they would look good because they would be good.
3: You're, you're pretty thin. Yes. Do do you ever go on a diet? Do you ever think about food? Or you just eat what you want to eat. I
2: just I just uh, eat. Uh, try to keep myself out of the pleasure trap. I bat for ninety to ninety five percent. I try to do a real good job there, and I let it take care
3: of itself. I mean, do you eat out? Do you? Uh, I must say we have a, a good friend uh, who uh, we did a show with is uh, Steve Rossi, yoga master. So mm-hmm. Steve came over to the house. He was doing this event for my birthday uh, a few months ago, and uh, he, he didn't trust a lot of the foods, not that we, cause he didn't know, he didn't know us that well, mm-hmm. but he brought his own food. He traveled with his own food. Now he's also as youth thin. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he didn't seem like he was fasting. He just was eating regular yeah, food. he
4: only does raw food.
3: Yeah, he only eats raw food yeah. as well.
2: Right. Now I, uh, I eat out, but what I try to do is I try to eat in order. I eat in the order of caloric density. So I'll eat salad first then vegetables second, then whatever concentrated food, like carbohydrate or whatever, I'm going to eat third. And so by doing that, I make sure I get a lot of uh, low-density food. Salads 100 calories a pound, uh, without the dressing, that is. And uh, vegetables are 200 calories a pound. Fruits 300 calories a pound. Uh, Concentrated starch, carbohydrate, potatoes, rice, et cetera, those are 600 calories a pound. If you go in order of caloric density, uh, your taste buds like it that way. If you start with the concentrated food, you won't want to go back and eat. Uh, the less concentrated food. So I just simply follow this simple little rule over and over again and it keeps me in a good groove. Dessert? Uh, Fruit, mostly, things like that. Once in a while at the McDougal program in Santa Rosa, they have some really cool chocolate vegan pudding. I look forward to that all month. Uh, (laughs) That's made with
4: avocado, right? What's that? Is that the one made with avocado?
3: No, I don't know what Mary McDougal does, but Uh, it's great. We have one that's with avocado that uh, you'll be dreaming of. You'll you'll wake up with nightmares if you're not not near one. (laughs) Uh,
2: Beverages? Uh, uh, Water, juice, Uh, just uh, take it easy. Yeah, nothing special. She'll so have OJ or grapefruit juice. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's juice. not a problem. Uh, do you drink coffee? No, I don't. Why not? I think there's uh, evidence that there's all kinds of little problems. These are relatively powerful nervous system stimulants. It's a sleep disruptor. Uh, you can see uh, the disruption in stage four deep sleep. Even you know the, the night that people have used even half a cup of coffee. I mean, these are little possible disruptors. Yeah, do, you, do you eat meat? No, I don't. Right. And how about nuts? Uh, yes, I'll have some nuts. Not a lot. It's just sort of around the
3: Salted opposite. or not? Roasted or not?
2: I don't eat salted nuts, actually.
3: But uh, you do roast them?
2: I'll have some roasted nuts on occasion.
3: You know, I, gotcha. I, I, Lisa and I have a debate about that. I yeah. obviously think roasted nuts taste better. I don't yeah. think she you should likes cook raw. your
4: oils, well, especially omega-3 essential fatty acids. Well, I,
3: like.
2: I, I was concerned about that. I specifically asked T. Colin Campbell... Uh, that very question. And and he assured me that I was safe there. Especially if
3: you roast your own nuts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what the truth is on that. (laughs) I think you're better off with raw. I'm sure that's probably
3: true. How about physical activity? What role does that play here?
2: Um, I think it's uh, certainly it's a significant part of any of any overall health program. And so diet, uh, exercise, sleep, fasting, um, these are all parts of uh, a set of of things that are very useful to help the body renormalize and, and reintegrate and get itself healthy. Uh, exercise, I think, is very important and key. However, when it comes to losing weight specifically, the most important thing people need to do is they need to get out of the pleasure trap. They need to be eating a diet that's much more consistent with their natural history, and exercise is not going to get it done for you.
6: any disease.